The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo. In conversation with Traffic Morden. Yes, indeed, it's uh, time to be in conversation with uh, what's happening in Africa, Weekly Africa Report with Dr. Paul Kariuki. He is Executive Director, Democracy Development Program at the University of KwaZulu-Natal and convener of the Africa Policy Circle. Uh, his um, Twitter handle is at KalenPK. K-A-Y-L-A-N-P-K. That's his Twitter handle. But Dr. Paul Kariuki, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Shafiq, for having me on the show. And of course, first off the bat, SADC to, dis- to, to deploy a 3,000-strong military force to northern Mozambique, a decision they made. I'm hoping, I'm sure, as you are hoping, that this is going to be a peacekeeping force as against an offensive force. Yes, I think it sounds to sounds exactly what you what you, how you're describing it. However, uh, still it's yet to be clarified on which way it will go. Because if you may recall, the Mozambican government was a bit reluctant uh, in allowing um, an outside force to come and fight the insurgency within their own sovereign state. So it depends on at this point in time because it's still an unfolding scenario on which way the Mozambican government uh, might go. So they might go with the first option that they allow this troop to come in and kind of reinforce them to for peacekeeping purposes, or they may choose to go the other route, you know, uh, as, as they had declared earlier, that they would like to, you know, they are a sovereign state, so they have their own armed forces, so perhaps maybe the enforcement for them is to train their own armed forces to be able to fight the resurgency. And and uh, and perhaps be assisted with the logistical support. So, either way, it has to be about peacekeeping and peace maintaining, uh, because the situation in the country is dire. And if it continues with uh, so far the assistance from the Sadek region, it will definitely be getting out of hand. And of course, I mean, Mozambique have played themselves <clears throat> into a corner because I think it was over the weekend Total has announced that they have pulled out completely. Um, there's a special uh, clause in, uh, 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 an exp- in an exploration contract that they've got where they can pull out if circumstances warrant it, and they've pulled out. Yes, you see now, this is where it becomes even more trickier. Because you can see the interests now are shaping just what one would have expected around the political interest in economic uh, partnership rather than peacekeeping. And so when, when situations like this come, often appear, um, such partners are not really there in, interested in the peace uh, development of the regions where they work, or the countries where they are working, rather. They are interested in what they are actually there for first and foremost, which is economic exploitation. And so what this does, it opens up the, the, the country to other competing forces, of course, from of, uh, you know, countries like Portugal, in the United States already who have shown extreme um, you know, interest in the situation in Mozambique. But you can never rule out uh, uh, opportunities for economic exploitation because of uh, the, the natural resources found 
in the country that they're interested in. So it's an unfortunate situation because it complicates the peace, uh, uh, peace building opportunity. But at the same time, also, they are looking after their, I would imagine the Italians are also looking after their own interest and see if they see there's a very remote chance of them, you know, going further with um, with the with the exploration that jeopardizes not only their lives, but also the deal becomes less lucrative. Yes, they will, they will pull out. And of course, there's, there's a lot at stake because if, if things um, are done properly, and we have no hope in that, but if they had been done properly, so much to gain, not just for um, the people in Cabo Delgado, which is one of the poorest parts of no- northern Mozambique, but KwaZulu-Natal, Richards Bay is a port, um, South Africa, yeah. because it would give us close access to um, much cheaper gas and oil, much cheaper energy uh, resources. At the moment, it's all up in smoke. Yes, it is. And a very interesting scenario there, as you painted, because it's just recently uh, we've been seeing from the different media uh, houses that South Africa is intending to have these uh, petrol port ships. Um, you know, so you would wonder uh, who is actually at play here, whose forces are actually controlling the, the access to such natural resources, because now that it's an open game for anyone, uh, interest can shift very fast. And depends on what interests, political interests, are actually being protected or being advanced. Then uh, it could be either an alternative for... Uh, you know, select uh, region countries, South Africa, to start thinking, you know, maybe they can start exploiting there and how South African companies, you know, get a piece of the deal so that they can actually go and do exploitation. Or alternatively, uh, it may be costlier in terms of opening up the region, uh, including South Africa, to threaten, uh, you know, uh, security because insurgencies that around Cabo uh, uh, Delgado, they, they, you know, they probably would assume that South Africa wants to get involved, you know, in really trying to stop their, uh, stop their interests. So South Africa would weigh, and I'm sure other Southern countries will weigh uh, seriously with the options available to them before they step in even to think that they can actually be involved in exploitation of the natural resource there. Yeah, um, I think this is a story we're going to be discussing for for many months to come. But let's go on to another story that never, ever goes away, Lesotho. Um, I can remember we had uh, days of our lives when Mr. Tabani, the previous uh, um, Prime Minister, uh, was under charges of killing or his wife killing a lover or a lover killing a wife. Okay, let's not get into, th- into that area. But uh, <laughs> c- current uh, Prime Minister, Mr. Moketi Majoro, no longer has a majority. And according to Lesotho uh, Constitution, if you don't have a majority, you are not in government anymore. So drama in Lesotho. Definitely. Uh, it's an unfortunate situation that is also building there. Um, although it, on the surface it looks like a very calm kingdom, but uh, inside it's actually uh, always on a tight edge in many times, especially as far as political issues are concerned. Yes, the, 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 the potential split uh, would definitely uh, put a span in the works for Prime Minister Majoro. 
because technically he will not be able to be in government and therefore meaning losing political power to be able to influence any meaningful political or economic direction for the country even now as it's you know um uh it fights uh, the pandemic and trying to make sure that they preserve lives and livelihoods so it's a serious destruction from the main uh, area of focus, which will be definitely mitigating against COVID-19. But be that may, um, the, the kingdom has always you know, faced ongoing political conflict that seems not to be able to go away, and it's not going to happen that in any time soon. Um, because over the time, over the, over the last couple of years, um, there's no any prime minister who has stayed their full term, which mm-hmm. is number one concern, mm-hmm. yeah? And which means the political uh, setup in the kingdom is always about after power. And therefore, it means that there is probably very minimal chances of real solution to get this matter uh, uh, solved to an extent where it can assure stability in the kingdom. Because as soon as one prime minister is settling down, the others are already skimming the next. And therefore, uh, the potential threat is destabilization again in the region to add up to what's already happening in Mozambique. And I don't think South Africa, would, especially for this one, I know, I would suspect South Africa has a, you know, will have keen interest to ensure that the kingdom does not degenerate to a place where it will cause um, political instability, not only in the kingdom, but also for South Africa because of the closeness of the two countries and at the same time also the, that um, whatever happens in the kingdom can easily, uh, you know, get its way into South Africa. And therefore, I'm, I'm foreseeing a process where the president's uh, representative uh, their uh, former judge Moseneke might uh, be involved perhaps in the behind the scenes kind of interventions to make sure that the situation doesn't get to a place where it becomes a political management project. Yes, one hopes it doesn't get there. Because, I mean, you know, Lesotho and Swaziland, um, it's, I find it so strange. We've got these two tiny countries in the middle of, of South Africa and, and people from Lesotho speak Sotho, which is a, a South African language, uh, Swaziland as well. I mean, it's almost like they're artificial bubbles uh, giving South yes. Africa permanent headaches. Yes, and this is where it becomes very tricky because um, the, the, the political, in South Africa's political interests in the kingdom are very much aligned to her own stability internally. And uh, you may recall there was always uh, that uh, scenario where migration management was becoming a headache uh, because of, you know, um, the two country uh, citizens have intermarried and established families on both sides of the border. And therefore, it was becoming almost very difficult to manage who stays and who doesn't and who acquires, uh, you know, what level of citizenship and that. So the... The interest um, from from South Africa to ensure that it actually uh, the kingdom is at peace is very much prime to them, and I will, I'm foreseeing a process where they will take serious uh, steps in ensuring that uh, the situation is addressed in a different way that it doesn't have to involve political uh, management, or it actually prevented to become even worse. But um, it might be a little bit too late in the game because. The the the, prime, the current prime minister has already you know fired the four ministers who are allegedly accused to be you know uh, in the process of forming the splinter party. 
So that alone already creates uh, some level of of discomfort within the political ecosystem uh, in the country, and very soon it might start also start you know shaking things around the Sadek region itself, because um, the, remember the former uh, prime minister uh, things. And so, and remember, South Africa was very quick in intervening in his case just to make sure that, uh, uh, you know, by him being exposed to any potential litigation, uh, especially with the, with, the, with the accusation that he was involved in the, in the murder of his second wife, uh, they would want to make sure that he doesn't get to that place again because it's going to be it's to be held. And uh, if it gets to a place where it threatens not only just internal country but regional country, then you can imagine what might happen on, uh, in the itself. So um, whilst it's still unfolding on the next steps, but I'm sure uh, the SEDEC um, uh, leadership is watching that very closely. Uh, and let's hope that they can resolve that one. Our final story today, U.S. warns Africa against China's growing role in the region. Okay, we know Zambia was unable to pay back some of um, her debts to China. What do you make of this, America, come lately? <laughs> well, again, this is always an ongoing discussion on the continent, especially lately, as regards to um, uh, Chinese uh, relationship with Africa uh, to, to a great extent be that not to be, um, you know, um, a, a good relationship that is meant to prosper African uh, and especially African people themselves because of perceived and equal uh, terms of uh, engagement from trade to investments to political management and everything that goes with democratic processes. And so I think what uh, the U.S. government may have seen as an opportunity to win back uh, Africans' uh, attention towards the United States, as you may remember, uh, the former president, uh, Donald Trump, had nothing to do with this continent. Actually, remember, he called us names. So, um, he did, yes. So, uh, the, the, the Biden administration may want to be seen to be favorable to Africa. And, they, of course, they found a way to get uh, the attention of African leadership and use the soft points. Like, for example, uh, we, the continent is, is trying as best as it can to recover from you know, the effects of uh, COVID-19. So it's desperately in need of financial resources to recover, and it goes for the softer parts. Even if you if you if you think about it, when you speak about health, health on this continent is a very powerful soft spot to get the attention mm. of the of, of governments, uh, because majority were found wanting, and so it's very strategic for United States to start you know bringing that conversation into this into this scenario, because that weakens uh, Chinese uh, interest. They're not very much interested in health promotion. Uh, they're interested much in infrastructure development. And meanwhile, the primary need of our continent at this time is at least in the foreseeable future is to strengthen our health capacity. So uh, that is often um, exacerbated by the ongoing addition of, of loans, uh, which the American government will be seeing as a trap. Uh, to make Africa totally dependent on China for anything that they have to, she has to do to uh, to prosper herself, and of course, um, uh, the American government would use that as a weak point. But of course, they are also forgetting 
that you know when we had the structural adjustment reforms package in the uh, early 80s to 90s, uh, they did exactly the same to the continent. <laughs> it's how it's yeah. amazing how quickly uh, superpower, economic superpowers, can forget each other's blind spots. No, absolutely, and of course we've seen Nigeria um, getting closer to the U.S. Nigeria had a really tough time under Trump, and yes. um, Kenya, which uh, traditionally has always had a, a warm relationship with the U.S. I mean, uh, uh, Kenya was one of the places that uh, former President Barack Obama visited, so Biden must be quite familiar with that particular play. Yes, uh, you would want you would understand why uh, pro- uh, President Muhammad would want to Buhari would want to get involved and trying to make it work for for Nigeria because you can imagine the population of Nigerians in US is really quite profound and therefore uh, from an economic development point of view it, it will be beneficial for 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 Nigeria to make sure that there is. Uh, at least better migration processes that would have assist majority of the Nigerian families and people who would want to migrate from Nigeria to go to the United States. That is ease of access to into into the country. Uh, President Trump made it very difficult and just made it so hard for Nigerians to acquire any visas, including uh, you know even diplomatic visas to be able to uh, do business in the United States. So. Uh, it's a strategic move on the part of President Buhari to 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 ease that relationship and make it uh, manageable, uh, so that it can work out for you know for Nigerians as a whole. And any president would want to make it work for their citizens, and because also, uh, despite the many uh, perhaps um, negative views that you know uh, Africans may be having about United States, given the recent. Uh, violent attacks among us by, uh, by white people over America, black Americans. We still, United States remains a strategic partner for Africa in many ways, and therefore we cannot rule that out. And so I think President Buhari is looking at the bigger picture on how um, United States can still gain a foothold on the continent, and definitely being remembered that just recently. We had Dr. Ngozi, who had just been appointed the uh, Secretary General for the World Trade Organization. So if you put all these uh, geopolitical uh, factors in together, you see why President Buhari would want to uh, ease the relationship between Nigeria and the U.S., and of course in the broader context of Africa and United States. And of course Nigeria, um, despite the problems that it has that are similar to ours, I always feel, it's just a personal view, is such an underestimated, underrated country in terms of its contribution and its potentiality. Indeed. Um, uh, I don't have statistics on, on me right now, but it's been alleged uh, in different, um, you know, by research institutions of them, the great number of uh, Nigerian experts, experts that are working in the United States and, you know, contributing in different ways in the economy of that country in very legitimate ways, but of course there's always a portion that does the opposite. But um, so it's a key strategic uh, country when it comes to global uh, development, and especially in also spearheading the African dream, that is to put Africa in global spaces as key contributors, not just as passive 
takers of global policies. And so because of this, that significant contribution, intellectually and otherwise, um, Nigeria is a very strategic country uh, that needs to, I think, in my personal view, uh, you cannot talk about African development in the global space without talking about Nigerian contribution. Absolutely. Dr. Paul Kariuki, uh, Executive Director, Democracy Development Program at the University of KwaZulu-Natal and convener of the Africa Policy Circle. It's a pleasure chatting to you as always. Thank you so much, Shafiq, for having me on the show. Have a good afternoon.